Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. I want to lead us in our, uh, in our weekly confession or profession uh, that we like to declare as we get ready to receive the word together. You can see it up on the screen. If you're watching along at home, you should see it on your screen. Let's declare this out loud today. Say, thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that we're growing in the things of God this morning. Amen. Don't you? That's just a, that's a declaration of our faith, and it's a declaration of what we believe, and I just get so delighted to, to share that and to declare it every Sunday. If you have your Bibles, you can turn, we're going to go to a, a good handful of scriptures this morning, but you can start by looking at Mark chapter 9, and I'll give just a moment or two of review this morning, and then dive into what I want to continue in today. But this is a two-part message that we began called Saved to Serve, Saved to Serve. We've been saved not just to, uh, just to become stagnant. We've been saved not to become, uh, you know, sanctified bumps on a log. But we have been saved to actually be active in God's kingdom and, and, and to take part in what he is doing. We believe, I believe very, very thoroughly that you'll never be totally fulfilled until you're serving in the body of Christ somehow, in some capacity. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lifestyle of open-handedness, that whatever God puts into me is not just for me, but it, it's supposed to go through me and impact somebody else. And, and without a lifestyle of serving, you just don't get to experience that open-handed reality. And so um, I believe we're saved to serve. Last week's message was part one, and I talked about how we are set apart, not set aside how we're set apart, not set aside. We discussed, I opened the whole conversation up by talking about the current state of much of church culture. Talked about how in a lot of ways we have created a culture where church in and of itself is a spectator sport, uh, where we're able to come and just watch what happens and do it from a distance. And you know, when, when COVID happened and everybody went into lockdown and we started watching church online, that became even more uh, a, a, a reality for church folks. Now, instead of watching from maybe the, the 10th row, we're watching from our couch in our pajamas. And you, men, you want to talk about being disconnected. Uh, it's just not the, the design that God has created for his church. So while the church does exist to serve the needs of people, and we need to be practical about that, we cannot afford to take that to an extreme wherein people are never empowered to respond to the call that God has placed in their lives. That's why I say, when I stand up here, I say, you're gifted, you're called. You've got something in you that God placed in you, and it's on us to respond to that reality and say, God, whatever you've called me to do, I want to do it with my whole heart. Amen? So we can't afford to structure our churches around the experience of a bunch of consumers in replacement of... Uh, exaltation of God himself. I can never ex exalt the consumer over the creator. I mean, this is really, at the end of the day, it's all about him, right? Amen. Amen. 
We have a part to play in God's kingdom and, and we have been set apart for that. We've been sanctified and consecrated to that reality, not set aside. I asked you the question, what's the difference between being set apart and set aside? It's real easy, purpose. Something that's set apart has been delegated. There's been a purpose that's been delegated to it and it's most fulfilled when it's achieving that purpose in God. There's a need in the body of Christ somewhere that needs the gift that is in your life and I'm here to tell you that it's empty without you. And in addition to that, you have a need for that gift to be used and expressed in God's kingdom. So God hand-picked us. You remember what we read in 1 Peter last week that we're, we're a, a, a special nation. We're his, we're his ordained priesthood. We are his treasured possession. You remember we read Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 14.2 and we read 1 Peter and, and, and we found out that we are the possession of God that he treasures. He has set us apart for something special. Now, I want to continue into that today. Last week was about um, that we were set apart, not set aside. This week, I want to talk to you along the lines of towels, not titles. Towels, not titles. And this message, I want to tell you, it's for everybody. Everybody. Okay? Everybody. I, I'm not one of those pastors that preaches at people covertly on Sunday morning without their knowledge. You know, sometimes people do that, get aggravated with somebody in the church, so they structure their message so that they can throw darts at that person in, in the context of the congregation, but it's undercover. I don't work that way. But, I mean, people do. I'm, you can, it's really true. But, uh, but this is one of those messages that is for everybody. However, here's the, here's the rub. The temptation, the temptation with a message like this is for us to listen to it and go, wow, my wife really needs to hear this. So-and-so on my team, they really need to hear this. Oh, I wish Johnny was here. Boy, this message is for him. No, this message is for everybody. The only person I want you to think about is you as I talk about this message, okay? Can I just share that with you? Amen. It's only going to impact you if you receive it for yourself and say, hey, you know what? I want to actually put this into practice in my own life. Amen. So this applies to all of us. Now, we're talking about serving, and I heard something this week. I was reminded of something this week that I, that I heard a long time ago, and it's a quote from Dan Cathy. You know who Dan Cathy is? He's the guy that runs Chick-fil-A, okay? His dad created the chicken sandwich. Hallelujah. His father did the unthinkable. He created the world's greatest chicken sandwich. And Dan Cathy runs the, 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 the company that his father started. But Dan says this, and this is so incredibly amazing. This is why today's message applies to all of us. He says, at Chick-fil-A, there are only two positions. You're either serving chicken or you're serving someone who's serving chicken. Boy, that's deeper than you know. You're either serving chicken or you're serving someone who's serving chicken. In other words, everybody wearing a Chick-fil-A shirt is a servant. And despite the title, despite the difference in role, despite the, the variance that we may have in our individual callings in the body of Christ, there's only two positions in the body of Christ. We're serving Jesus or we're serving somebody who's serving Jesus. 
Come on, we're serving Jesus or we're serving somebody who's serving Jesus. In other words, whether you're the guy behind the pulpit preaching or you're the guy shaking hands on the way in or you're, or you're the, the, the person who is changing a diaper or you're the person who's cleaning up the toys to sanitize them for the kids or you're the person on a Wednesday afternoon that's sorting through paperwork or doing something for the sake of the ministry. There's only two kinds of people. We're, we're, we're either serving Jesus or we're serving somebody who's serving Jesus. Everybody's a servant. Everybody in this building is called to serve. Amen. Now, I want to talk to you along this idea of towels, not titles. Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 35. I love this passage. Jesus is walking with his disciples, returning to Capernaum, and... On the way, his disciples get into an argument, a dispute over which disciple is the greatest disciple. Which one of us? I, John, I, look, I know that you're, that you're the one that laid on Jesus' chest, and I know that you're close, but I am Peter. I think, I mean, he picked me before he picked you, so I think I'm more important. And then Andrew chimes up, no, 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 Peter, you wouldn't even know about the Lord if it wasn't for me. I, I'm the one he talked to first. I'm pretty sure that I'm greater. And then James is like, guys, 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 guys. Don't you remember when we, when he fed the, when we fed the 5,000, uh, I was the one with the biggest basket. I handed out more loaves and more fishes to more people. Guys, I'm the greatest. It's kind of silly to think about in those regards and in that light. But in the moment, I think it was probably seemed pretty important to those guys. So they get to Capernaum, verse 33, Mark chapter 9. It says, then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed amongst yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. <laughs> for, for on the road, they had disputed amongst themselves who would be the greatest. And then he sat them down called the 12 and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and the servant of all. I'm gonna read it to you in the Message Bible because Eugene Peterson just really drives it home in, in such a beautiful way. When they came to Capernaum, when he was safe at home, he asked them, what were you discussing on the road? The silence was deafening. They had been arguing with one another over who of them was greatest. He sat down and summoned the 12. So, you want to be in first place? Then take the last place. Be the servant of all. I love this passage because Jesus tells us exactly how to advance in the kingdom of God. You want to get high? Go low. You want to move forward? You want to be God's favorite? Be everybody's servant. Take your needs and put them back here somewhere so that you can prioritize the needs of those around you. It's an uncomfortable message for our flesh, but if we're honest, something in our heart says, yeah. Have you ever had one of those moments? Where your heart's going, yeah, and your flesh is going, 
No, <laughs> please no, please no. I've had so many moments like that in my life, it's not even funny. I've had so many times. Have you ever been doing this? You ever been praying for something that you know is not God's will, but you're trying to, re, you're trying to like negotiate with him to make it his will? Lord, if you could just, please God, but your heart knows something different. You see, there's a, there's a dissonance that happens sometimes where our head is tweaking out, our flesh is tweaking out, and our heart's going, yeah, Lord, that's the right thing. You know, those moments are so good for you. They are so good for your flesh. I hate it when my flesh is challenged, and I love it at the same time. Because I always know that on the other side of that, there's some kind of growth. And Jesus has told us exactly how he wants us to progress in his kingdom. So we have to remember that it's his kingdom, not ours. You know, when Jesus tells them to be, the, to, to, be, to be greatest in the kingdom, you have to be the servant of all. How many of you think that that was a suggestion? Nah, it's not how this works. So you want to be first place? Take the last place. Be the servant of all, he said. How many? All. Who? Everybody. You see, you can't effectively lead anyone until you're committed to serve everyone. Let me say it again. You can't effectively lead. You can lead, you just won't be doing it very effectively. You can't lead effectively anyone until you're committed and willing to serve everyone. What were they arguing about? It's real easy. Position, titles. <laughs> the flesh of humanity is always jockeying for position. Always looking for titles and recognition. I really should be preaching this message to a group of pastors. I really should be preaching this message at a minister's conference because we're the worst when it comes to titles. More on that in a moment. But the flesh of humanity is always looking for position, always looking for titles, and always looking for recognition. Your flesh always wants to be recognized. Always. Your flesh is constantly going, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, look at me, look at me, look at me, listen to me, hear me, listen to me, listen to me, 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 I, 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 me, 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 I, 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 I. Always. You say, but pastor, doesn't that change when we get saved? No, if anything, it gets more intense because now your heart is saying something different and your flesh squeals even more. And if you don't think your flesh has a voice, skip a meal. You don't think your flesh has a voice. Fast. That's the purpose of fasting, by the way, is to tell your flesh to be quiet. If you don't think your flesh has a real loud voice, just, just do something that you're not totally comfortable doing. You'll hear real quick. You'll see real fast. My flesh, has, my flesh wants to be recognized. Pick me, pick me, pick me. I think... Um, I, I can remember different times in my life as a parent where this has been the reality. In fact, this just happened recently. Have you ever had one of those moments where your child gets hurt and they're just kind of hurt? They're not like really painfully hurt. They just like maybe they, you know, bumped and they caught them off guard and they cry for a second. And then 
they recognize that the cry got your attention, so they ham it up. <laughs> Anybody ever had this experience? Like, okay, they got hurt, but we're good now. Stopped hurting at least a minute or two ago, and we're still crying. I caught Sophia doing this just recently, and she had fallen and, or something. She had done something, and she was just not hardly injured at all, and she kept, but she kept hamming it up. And finally, I looked over at her, and we made eye contact. And she saw that I could see what was really going on, and she started laughing. And we both laughed. What is that? That's your flesh. And that's great when you're six. Not so good when you're 45 and you're trying to be a leader. Selah. Let me just cut you off at the knees real quick. That's okay when you're a toddler. It's not okay when you're running a business. It's not okay when you're serving in God's kingdom and your flesh is going, and you just want recognition. But you're 50. Get over it. You see, God recognizes the intentions and the motivation of our heart. But the problem is our flesh is all the time trying to have the louder voice. So here's the problem. If you get recognized for your flesh, you'll never get recognized for what's in your heart. <laughs> the squeaky wheel gets the grease. I don't want to be the squeaky wheel. See, these guys, they were in a flesh argument. How do I know that it was their flesh? Look what resulted, an argument. To the degree that Jesus has to stop and go, hey, what were you guys talking about? He already knows what they were talking about. This is a rhetorical question. <laughs> Let's look at another example. I can see you're really loving this. Uh, Matthew <laughs> chapter 20. Since we're all getting a lot out of this. Let's go to Matthew chapter 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. Let's begin reading at verse 20. This is amazing to me. I love this passage. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? He was talking about his, his, his crucifixion. He said, can, can you come with me to the cross? And they said, foolishly, we're able and he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit at my right hand and on my left is not, for mine, to, is not mine to give, but it's for those to whom it is prepared for by my father. And when the 10 heard of it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Everybody say that out loud. It shall not be so among you. 
Jesus is painting a very clear distinction here, a very clear picture for us. The world does this one way. You guys are called to do it differently. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is an amazing passage of Scripture. I want you to get this picture in your mind just for a second of, of the disciples gathered around and, and uh, all of a sudden James and John approach Jesus and their moms with them. And they all kneel down before the Lord. If I'm Jesus, I'm already red flag. What are you people doing? I was just telling this to a friend just, just this past week. I am more now than I ever have been um, on guard when I sense flattery. Always. Because there's always something. It's, it's a, anytime there's flattery, there's the expectation of an exchange. It's like when you go to the really fancy restaurant, regardless of what you order, the server tells you that it was a good choice. You ever done that? Uh, so what will you be having this evening? I'm going to have the chicken tenders and the tighter tots. Uh, excellent choice, sir. Excellent choice. No matter what you order, it's an excellent choice. He doesn't care. He, you can choke on the meal for all he cares, as long as he gets his 20% at the end when the check comes. It's always an excellent choice. You see, I, there's, a, there's a sense of flattery going on. I'm going to butter Jesus up. Let, hey, boys, come with me. Let's all kneel before the master. I'm going I'm to pitch this to him. We'll see what he does. Hmm. I love the way Jesus responds. Love the way Jesus responds. You don't even know what you're asking. It'd be like, you know, I was telling on Sophia a moment ago, I'll just keep doing that. It would, it would be like if she came to me one day and said, you know, Dad, this is a great family we got going here. Uh, I, I'd, I'd like to be important in our family. Here's the thing. Next month, why don't you let me pay the mortgage? Let me, let me handle it. I'll do it. Sophia, for those of you who don't know her, is six. Okay. Well, she's six and a half. If you ask her, she's six and a half. But um, I would look at that child and go, you don't know what you're asking. You don't have a job. You don't, the only money you have, your mother keeps it because you would lose it. You don't, I mean, you don't, like, think for just a second. You don't, you don't even know what you're asking. That's Jesus' response. To me, it's so parental. It's so just like, oh, you silly person. You have no idea what you're asking. Jesus tells them something very potent. He says, you don't understand the cost. Are you willing to go to the cross? You want to be great in my kingdom. Okay, guess what my pathway to greatness looks like. It's going to involve me dying for you. Are you prepared to go there with me? You see, you want to lead, but you don't understand the cost of leadership. I heard this statement one time, and I think it's one of the best things I ever heard about leadership. 
It says, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. People think they want to lead because they want to be in charge. Can I just be honest with you today? People lead, they think they want to lead because they want to be in charge. What they don't understand is that the higher you go, the more of yourself you have to give up. Leadership in God's kingdom is defined by service. And service means less rights and more responsibilities. Oh, this is such a feel-good message. What is it that James and John's mother is asking Jesus for? More titles. Give me a title. Which, by the way, I got I to gotta say this real quick, just as a free aside. Kudos on bringing your mom to talk to Jesus for you. If I was the other 10, no wonder they were agitated. If I was Peter, I'd have been throwing rocks at James and John. Oh, good job bringing your mom to talk to Jesus for you, loser. Anyways, back to the Bible. <laughs> what, what was she asking for on their behalf? Titles, man. Give me a title. Give me something. Give me something that makes me in charge. Give me something that puts me at the head. I want to be seen, Lord. Give me a title. And boy, I'll tell you what, sometimes preachers are the worst for this. Give me a title. I want to be a pastor. We have this stupid idea that we can work our way up amongst the ranks of God's kingdom by, you know, maybe I'll be a youth pastor for a little while. And I'll do that for a while, and then I'll get real good at that, and then maybe I can graduate and become an associate pastor for a little while. I'll do the hospital visitations. I get super good at that. Meanwhile, I'll practice my preaching. And then if I can keep getting, you know, if I can keep grinding away at this ministry thing, someday they're going to call me pastor. And I'll get a reserved parking spot. Someday I'll get to be the one calling the shots. I don't want to pretend like the kingdom of God doesn't have any structure of authority because it does. But it's not a hierarchy of importance the way it is in the world. And that's Jesus' big message to us is that, you know, the, the, in the world, the rich and powerful lord it over people. They've achieved something and now their achievement means they get to look down on the rest of everybody. Jesus said that's not the way it is in the kingdom. He said the higher you go in the kingdom means you get to serve more people. Congratulations. You've done such a great job serving at the level you've been serving at. We would like to upgrade you. You now get to serve twice as many people. It's like being a server at a restaurant and they're like, Dan, you've done such a great job waiting these tables. We got 10 more of them for you. They just came in the door. They're all seated and they need water. Hurry. You get rewarded. Faithfulness gets rewarded by more opportunity to be faithful. You see, everybody in the structure of authority in God's kingdom is called to serve God first and then to serve our neighbor. That means everybody's serving everybody so we can all just collectively get rid of the title mentality. And, and, and allow me, if I may, to apologize to you on behalf of every pastor that ever got this mixed up in their mind and thought it was their job to be your boss and run you around so that you could serve them. 
I am, I am always so incredibly blessed when people honor the gift of God that's been put in me and my wife. We, we're just overwhelmed with blessing when people do something nice for us or, they, or when people, somebody calls me and says, hey, Pastor Josh, and I, I just love that. It blesses me. But I don't ever expect it, and I sure as heck don't demand it. I never have, and I never will. The more authority that God entrusts you with, the more serving is expected of us. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, he says, Yes, to all of you, be submissive to one another and clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, the, the, the person whose, whose heart is primed to serve and be the servant of all is the person who's got humility really working on the inside of them. And I can tell you that God dumps grace on that person. But to the person who's title hungry, God resists. I want to close today by looking at this picture of the ultimate servant. It comes from John chapter 13. You doing okay this morning? You know that I love you, don't you? John chapter 13. We're going to read the first five verses. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What a heart. And the supper now being ended, verse 2, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. I told you that at the beginning of this message that the emphasis was on towels, not titles. Our flesh always wants to be recognized, always hungry for position. Jesus shows us a better way. I love what it says here in, in verse 2 because he, he flips the script completely on what they would have expected. I love this. I love when Jesus pulls a fast one and does just the exact opposite of what we expected him to do or say. Isn't that awesome? I mean, if there's anybody that ever walked the earth that deserved to have his feet washed, it was Jesus. 
Yet it was this very same Jesus who flips the script and reverses the narrative and takes it completely the opposite direction and says, no, I, the king of the universe, am going to wash your feet. Could there be a more go low to go high arrangement than ever, than, than that? I mean, there's nobody that deserved to be revered more than Jesus. Yes, yet when his moment comes, he, he's the one that gets on his knee. He's the one that takes the towel. He's the one that goes, it's amazing, goes to Peter first. Peter's the, listen, Peter is the one who tried to talk him out of going to the cross. Think about that. Peter's the one who tried to talk him out of going to the cross. Peter is the one that ultimately would deny him three times before the rooster crows. Peter is the one who, who loved Jesus so much that he brought his sword with him to the prayer meeting. And when the Roman soldiers came and the high, pre, the high priest's servant Malchus was there and they were ready to take Jesus away, Peter said, no, and took out his sword and cut the guy's ear off. I mean, Peter is the epitomized version of rough around the edges. Always saying the wrong thing, always putting his foot in his mouth. Always thinking he's doing the right thing, but somehow his motivation's off. And Jesus goes to him first. And he says, Lord, you're going you're gonna to wash my feet? Why me? Why me, Lord? See, this, this must have grabbed a hold of Peter's heart. Because this is the same, this is the same group of disciples that not too long ago were jockeying per, for position. This is the same ones that were like, I'm better. No, I'm better. No, I'm better. No, I'm better. Now all of a sudden the king of glory goes low takes a towel and says, I'm going to wash your feet. And all of a sudden, their hearts get gripped. <gasps> You're washing my feet. No more arguing for position here. No more flesh exaltation here. Oh, no. You see, all that title stuff goes away when you recognize you're the beneficiary of the greatest gift of all the king of glory laid his life down for you. All that title stuff just doesn't seem so irrelevant, so relevant anymore. Jesus gives us the ultimate example of a leader saved to serve. I don't need a fancy parking spot. I don't need everybody in the, in the room to call me apostle. I'm just here to wash feet, man. Look at this. This is, I, I want to say this and then I'll be done. I, I, it's amazing to me when you read verse two and verse three. This just gets me. It's one of those details that John puts in the text that just blows me away. It says verse two, the supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot. Simon's son to betray Jesus. Jesus, watch verse three. This is incredible. Jesus 
knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, arose from the supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. To me, that is one of the most significant elements of this passage because it tells me that Jesus has this profound level of security. He knows God's given everything into my hand. I'm going to God. I'm returning to the Father. Jesus is absolutely convinced and secure in who God has called him to be. You understand what I mean when I say that. I don't mean that in a way to take anything away from Jesus. He, he's so secure in his assignment. He's so secure in understanding what is before him to do. And he's so confident in God that he can actually get down and wash feet. I yearn to be the kind of leader that is so secure in God that I'll serve whoever needs to be served, whenever, wherever, and however. I yearn to have a people in our church that are so secure in our, in our understanding of who God's called us to be, so fixed on the fact that Jesus just died for me and, and, and was raised for me and has filled me with his life and made me a new creation. I'm so convinced of that. I'm so secure in it that I can serve anybody. It doesn't matter. Oh, we, what, are we going to go to the trailer park and serve those people? Yeah, let's do it. We're going to go have, hand out you know, warm blankets to people that need Yeah, let's do it. No, it's not beneath me because I'm secure in God. Jesus, in that moment, wasn't there to distribute titles. He was there to distribute towels. And he's called us into a mode of servanthood as leaders that are willing to go the distance and serve those that we're called to lead. Serve those that we're called to be near. Serve those that, we're, that are in our family. Serve those that are in our, on our job. Serve those that are in our community. Serve the people that are around us. I, you, know why, you know why I want to have a towel in my hand? Because Jesus has a towel in his hand. And I want to be doing what Jesus is doing. I don't want, I'm not interested in the title. Give me a towel, man. Give me something that, oh yeah, is Jesus over there on one knee? Then I want to be on one knee too. Oh, does Jesus have a towel? Yeah, Lord, can I have the same kind of towel? Okay, we're ready to serve. Here we are, we're ready. That's who I want to be. That's who we should all want to be. Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.